0: It's not just to be an exchange, and that's why we don't deal with any other currencies or coins um, because we're so focused on making Bitcoin the native currency for for the internet. So, it's <clears throat> and team. How can, you, how can you say that this is a currency for everyone in the world when you are the king of censorship? Bitcoin is about decentralization, and you have no right to be here today speaking about this. We're working on that too we're working on that too we'll we'll we'll, we'll get to that we'll, i i get it we'll we get to that can you can you please we'll we we'll get to that i promise thank you we can talk about it we can talk about it we can talk about it Um, Well, why don't we just go right to that? I was going to talk about it later. Um, um, We hear a lot about censorship, right? Maybe we'll let this settle down for a second. Um, no, we'll hit, we'll hit on that briefly. It's obviously very important. Bitcoin is censorship resistant. Nobody controls it. What, do you, what is your thought on that? What, what is your thought on this? It's a thorny problem. Um, yes.
1: That was Twitter CEO, Jack Dorsey. Does he look a lot more like Raspusen every time you see him? And at this point, I feel like it would probably take a bunch of drownings and bullets and all that other horseshit to to take out that crazy Russian to take out Twitter. Because Twitter is a monster of a company. It's became a real beast. And I've, I've long mourned the fact that everybody has a fucking Twitter Everybody. Like, we'll be reading an article about some riot in some backwards-ass city in some tiny-ass place in America that no one's ever heard of, but their gas station has a Twitter. It's like, why? Why is everything on Twitter? But, speaking of the realm of Twitter, Twitter CEO and co-founder Jack Dorsey is stepping down resigning and Twitter is a company that is extremely politically powered somehow Twitter plays a hand a critical hand in all sorts of nonsense be it from social events of the culture war to politics and finances itself Twitter has seeped in For being the social media that everybody's on. Back in the day, Twitter was a social media app that was considered to be like... Like, Facebook is where you'd go to talk to your friends. Twitter is where you would go to follow celebrities. And then more and more people hopped on. I really think what got Twitter going is when all those people, like rats, fled Tumblr. After certain things got banned on Tumblr. And went to Twitter. And then Twitter got more and more for the masses. At least how it feels from my perspective. I've never been a big fan of Twitter, uh, there's a right way and a wrong way to use it. I'm not patient enough to use it the right way to fuck with people. For an example someone who's great with using Twitter properly, look at Michael Mouse's Twitter. It's a fan favorite around these parts, at least. Twitter's also played a large role in suppressing news stories. For example, the Hunter Biden, the Ashley Biden, uh, the Hunter Biden laptop and the Ashley Biden diary. Those were two stories suppressed and held down by Twitter. They were banning people for talking about it. They were taking down posts, shadow banning, issuing like 30 day bans left, right, and center for anything that would go against Joe Biden. And in multiple studies where they go out, or polling, I should say, where they've gone out, they've been like, well, here's the. F-. They go up to random people and they're like, would you vote for? You voted for Biden. You read the facts of the case uh, about the Hunter Biden laptop. Does it change what you would do? And like 90% of the people said they wouldn't have voted for Biden if they knew about the laptop. And Twitter's also banned people for talking about, uh, for example, uh, what was his name? Rubin, Dave Rubin. Dave Rubin tweeted about how, third, like, like how booster shots become mandatory. Twitter banned him, and then, like, a week later, booster shots entered the, the conversation. So Twitter's played a big hand in a lot of, like, social justice war, uh, warrior and, and, and major political activity. Twitter's been somewhere in the background of almost everything. Not to mention the, every time Trump tweet fu- farted out a fucking tweet. Everybody flocked to Twitter. There was CNN and Fox News would do, like, little updates to talk about some shit Trump tweeted. It was retarded. But, but, on today's episode of Inside Four Walls, we got two articles to read, Jack Dur- from The Hill, Forbes, and then we're going to go over to The Guardian to find out who Paragog agwal is. We'll find out who that is. And definitely will figure out how to pronounce his name along the way. Welcome to Inside Four Walls. I am your host, James Madison, and let's get right into it. You gotta fucking love how Laura Loomer just crashed a fucking uh, Bitcoin press conference with Jack Dorsey. But I'm gonna grab a sip of this real quick. Uh. it is super early in the morning and I am just working out my second monster. I do good things for my body. From the Hill, Jack Dorsey announces his resignation from Twitter by Chris Mills Regardo. Clean my glasses real quick. Probably also if I should have done before I hit record, but we're getting back in the saddle, some things will be worked out on the way. <laughs> Article begins, Jack Dorsey announced Monday that he is leaving Twitter after co-founding the social media platform in 2006 and serving as its CEO since 2015. Yeah, for a little context, uh, they actually kicked Jack Dorsey out around 2012. And at that point, Jack Dorsey was quite, uh, was, was, like, the face people knew. He was, like, looked at as, like, the Mark Zuckerberg of Twitter. He still is. But Twitter, when it got bigger, kicked him out. And then they started perform performing badly, I should say. They put it mildly, like, like, this, they weren't performing as satisfactory as they normally do. So, like, they did the same thing Apple did. Where they brought back Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs didn't really play a big role in the tech development after he came back. But he was the face of the company now. He was doing press press events, tours, all that shit. Jack Dorsey very much became the public face of Twitter. It's my opinion that Jack Dorsey was never very, you know... I I think he was a mascot. Because Jack Dorsey would go on uh, all sorts of talk shows and podcasts and he would talk about how, oh yeah, we're going to change this about Twitter, we're going to have a a forgiveness program, we're going to have free speech uh, algorithms that will protect people and also whoever they want, Twitter will will become a free speech haven, but Twitter is one of the most censored, in all fairness, it's not as censored as Facebook is. But Twitter will still ban people for just talking about vaccines in a way that doesn't follow the main narrative. And everything Jack Dorsey has said that he wanted to implement or would put into place never came to volition and... or fruition, my bad. It never happened, and Twitter just got worse and worse and worse and worse as it got more and more biased. So, I, I think Jack Dorsey was just a sitting face. I don't think he had any part in the TOS development or in the actual behind-the-scenes actions. But we'll get back in the article. He will be replaced by Chief Technology Officer Parag Agrawal. Let's find out how to pronounce this guy's name. because I don't want to sit here and just constantly be slumming it. How do I say this man's name? Parag. We'll call him Parag. All right, just Parag. Uh. And these articles will be in the description of this podcast, of course. So Parag, according. He will be replaced by Chief Technology Officer Porag, according to a departure email shared by Dorsey on Twitter. Quote, I want you all to know that this was my decision, and I own it. Sounds, sounds definitely like it's your own decision, my friend. Dorsey wrote, quote, it was a tough one for me, of course. I love this service and company. And all of you so much. I'm really sad, yet really happy. It reads like a disappearance letter from the Chinese Communist Party. It sounds like this dude just said some bad, some shit about the Chinese government. The Social credit score went through the negatives and he just got disappeared. I want all of you to know this was my decision and I own it. Right. It was a tough one for me, of course. I love this service. And this company. And, and, and all of you so much. I'm really sad. Yet really happy. totally don't have a gun to my head. I totally don't have a gun to my head. That is... I'm sorry. i was reading that like, man, that does not seem... What's kind of funny is, uh, Jack... You know, I'm a, a Murray Rothbard fan. Anyone who identifies... Or at least enjoys the philosophy of anarcho-capitalism knows who marie rothbard is if you don't know Murray rothbard is he he was r.i.p a senior professor at the mises institute He has also taught at a bunch of other colleges uh he wrote anatomy of the state a book all about how the government works becomes corrupt leeches off the people and what different parts of the government do to maintain this level of corruption Jack Dorsey, months ago, tweeted out pages from it, and a link to the book, which blew a lot of, a lot of people, were, were weirded out to see Jack Dorsey tweeting or sharing anything that has to do with Murray Rothbard, because it's like, you of all fucking people, but, it, it shows something, right, the fact that, in the part of the book he shared, talking about how technology could be implemented Uh, technology could be implemented to corrupt the uh, average citizen and drive them insane with political rhetoric and propaganda on a much easier more personalized level Twitter sharing something talking about that was very weird so people were thinking is this like a crack are we starting to see like Jack Dorsey coming through because back in the day I will no one ever mentions this I will give Jack Dorsey his credit he was somebody who back in the day actually fought for free speech online. He actually has a trackable history of arguing, and defending, in name of things like uh stupid shit. Like like Rodden.com. But we're talking about like like two thousand six and around that era. He was like big free Tibet, uh anti Bush, anti-war type Democrat. Or at least activist type big free speech, don't let the government censor you kind of stuff. A lot of people will just shit on them. I want, I, I would like to think that actually when there was a point to give credit and praise to, I will give it. I wait like to think that. I'm sure there's a lot of people I've given no credit to. Anyway, we're going back to the article. Uh, there's just a massive letter here. Here, we have a tweet here with a picture that says, not sure anyone has heard, but I resigned from Twitter. Also, oh, the way he phrased it. Not sure if anyone heard, but, uh, I resigned. Very pomp. The... Okay, let's see. First tweet, right, is from Benjamin Buttersworth. Even the Twitter, even the founder of Twitter has quit Twitter. Yeah. Okay, let's see. To Jack Dorsey. From Jack Dorsey. Hello, team. After almost 16 years of having a role at our company, from co-founder to CEO to chair to exec to chair, interim CEO to CEO again, I decided it's finally time for me to leave. Why? Who cares? There's a lot of talk about the importance of a company being founder led. Ultimately, I believe that severely that that's a severely limiting and single point of failure. I worked hard to ensure that this company can break away from its founding and its founders. There are three reasons I believe now is the right time to leave. The first is Parag becoming our CEO. The board ran a rigorous process considering all options and unanimously appointed Parag. He's been my choice for some time, given how deeply he understands the company and its needs. Parag has been behind every critical decision that helped turn this company around. He's curious, probing, rational, creative, demanding, self-aware, and humble, and also big with the band hammer. He leads with his heart and soul, and the band hammer, and is someone I learn from daily on how to use a fucking band hammer. My trust in him as our CEO is bone deep, like my bones that have been broken by the band hammer. Second, is Brett Taylor agreeing to become our board chair. I asked Brett to join our team, or join our board. When I became CEO. And he's been excellent in every way. He understands entrepreneurship. Taking risks. Companies at massive scale. Technology. Product. And he's an engineer. Who wrote this letter, Jack? Jesus. Who are you, Timothy fucking Dexter, writing a pickle for the knowing ones? What is this shit? You got like 12 fucking adjectives for every fucking person you talk about. can you just say, I like the guy and move on? Jesus, can you suck these guys dick a little harder? You bearded fruitcake! Fuck! God damn! Such bloviation, man. I don't think the Pope would write that highly of God! I swear, the the third point is just gonna be like kind, and caring, and focused, and driven, and workplace oriented, and rational, and reasonable, and, 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 then I'm gonna have a fucking seizure and fucking die. Blobbiated cockle. Fuck me. Green to become our board chair, taking around ass company this massive stage. Now he's project sucking my dick, and he's an engineer. Woo. All of, hold on. Ooh. Ooh. I think that monster looked real quick. All of the things the board and the company deserve right now. Having bread. In this leadership role, gives me a lot of confidence in the strength of our board going forward. You have no idea how happy this makes me. And exuberant, and thrilled, and riveted, and over the top, and heels up, and excited, and happy, and, and, and. The third is all of you the collective open ma that consumes the bandwidth. And third is all of you. We have a lot of ambition and potential on, on this team. Consider this. Parag started here as an engineer who carried who cared deeply about our work. And now he's our CEO. I also had a similar path and he did it better. This alone makes me proud. I know that Prag will be able to channel this energy. Will be able to channel this energy best because he's lived. He's lived it, and he knows what it takes. What do you mean he's lived it and he knows what it takes? You gotta live, Twitter. You gotta eat and shit, Twitter. He's lived it. The fuck do you mean he's lived it? Is there, like, some sort of, like, hive mind at work here? I don't know about. One of us. One of us. Such a weird channel, this energy, best because he's lived it and knows what it takes. All of you have potential to change the course of this company for the better. that a cry for help? I believe this with all my heart. The part of it they let me keep. Parag is CEO starting today. I'm going to serve on the board, though my term mayish to to help Parag and Brett with the transition. And after that, I'll leave the board. Why not stay or become chair? I believe it's really important to give Parag the space he needs to lead. And back to my previous point, I believe it's critical a company can stand its own Free of its founder's influence or direction. I honestly hope this makes Twitter go belly up. I have a feeling it's not going to. Uh, I'm going to touch back on to I've said when we finish reading this letter here. We're almost done. I want you all to know that this was my decision. You keep repeating how it's your decision. We get it. I feel like, I, I feel like there's, like, some shady backdoor shit here. Oh, Twitter just tweeted. Absolute legend. Fuck off. I feel like Twitter tweeting at Jack Dorsey that he's an absolute legend is just Jack Dorsey. Like, it's like the equivalent of Jack Dorsey sitting on his hand and his hand goes numb and then jerking off with it so he can pretend somebody else saying nice things about him. I feel like that's kind of like, like what that, what the equivalent of that is. Uh, there we go. Uh, Prague CEO story. I want you all to know that this was my decision, and I own it. It was tough. It was a tough one for me, of course. I love this service and company. And all of you so much. I'm really sad yet really happy. There aren't many companies that get to this level. And there aren't many founders that choose their companies over their ego. you're so humble. Especially that you had to tell us about that. You had to tell us that that was a perspective you had. Very humble. I know we'll prove this was the right move. Hopefully, you guys go bankrupt, and it was. We'll have an all-hands meeting tomorrow at 9 a.m. To discuss, so about an hour... So this is going up at 1, so right by the time we're recording, this meeting is happening right now. Oh, what's the clip in the office. Oof. At 9:05 a.m., a specific pacific to discuss it all until then thank you thank you all for your trust you've placed in me and for the openness to build that trust in parag and yourselves i love you all p.s i'm tweeting i'm tweeting this email my one wish is for twitter inc to be the most transparent company in the world hi mom Jack, your mom should have fucking swallowed you. You, Jack, should have been a stain being scrubbed off of your parents' comforter the day after they fucked. You would have done the world a lot more good, Jack, if you had simply been an extra shot of protein and calcium in your mother's throat all those years back. Can't you tell that I'm going to miss our buddy Jack Dorsey so much. But that was the end of Jack Dorsey's bloviated letter. Back into the Hill article. CNBC published a report on Dorsey resigning earlier Monday, sending Twitter stock up over 10%. Dorsey appears set to stay on as CEO of his online payment company, Square, a position he held currently with leading Twitter. Agrawal, the new CEO, wrote in an email to staff, also shared on Twitter, that he sees "quote exciting opportunities ahead for the company." "quote Our purpose has never been more important," he wrote. "quote Our people and culture are unlike anything in the world. There is no limit to what we can do together." You're right. You're right. The people, the our people and culture, the Twitter culture, so unlike anywhere else in the world. A bunch of people violently screaming incoherent, belligerent shit at each other over every topic from politics to pop culture, while not letting anybody get a word in edgewise. Yes, that's definitely a unique thing exclusively to Twitter. People arguing over stupid shit. (sighs) Sounds quite common. But the new uh, communist chair, I mean, head of CEO, as a tweet here, deep gratitude for at Jack, and our entire team, and so much excitement for the future. Here's the note I sent to the company, thank you all for your trust and support. <sighs> these bloviated fucking letters, man, I tell you, these assholes. Let's, let's, let's have a read at this motherfucker's uh, tweet. Thank you, Jack. I am honored and humble. And I'm grateful for your continued uh, mentorship and your friendship. I'm, like, grateful for our service that you you built, the culture, soul, and purpose you fostered among us, among us, and for leading the company through a really significant challenge. What challenges? Like what the Trump years? We were, like, sense of the president, and then Jack was like, ah, okay, eventually. I'm grateful for the trust you've put in me, and for your continued partnership. Oh, there you get the promotion. Partnership, advance 2020, it's okay. Okay. Team, most of all, I'm grateful for all of you. And it's you who inspire confidence in our future together. I joined this company ten years ago, when there was fewer than a hundred, fewer than a thousand employees. Well, it was a decade ago. Those days feel like yesterday to me. I walked in your shoes. I have seen the ups and the downs, the challenges and obstacles, the wins and mistakes, but. Then and now, above all else, I see Twitter's incredible impact, our continued progress, and the exciting opportunities ahead of us. I think Twitter is evil, so the shit you're bragging about, dude, makes me want to punch you. We recently updated our strategy to hit ambitious goals, and I believe that strategy to be bold and right, but our critical challenge is how we work to execute. I thought I'd just stop for a second there. To to execute against it. And deliver results. That's how we'll make Twitter great again. (laughs) For our customers. Shareholders. And each of you. I want you to. Hashtag. Love where you work. He has a hashtag in his email. Ah. It hurts it's it it and also love how we fight to- how we work together for the greatest possible impact on the human psyche and the first response to this by the way is we want the fleets back he's deleting his old tweets ah Wow, these... So wait, these tweets are actually more interesting. People are just shitting on him. Wow, everyone is just... shitting on him. <laughs> There's a picture of a... of a guy sitting down with the uh, ISIS leader and goes, had a great meeting with our new CEO. Oh... And then we have a tweet here, and it's uh, a lady named Alyssa Rochelle, who tweeted, who quoted tweeted Jack saying, "I love Twitter," and she says, "All men are the same, telling you they love you right before they leave you." Wow, no one is excited for this guy apparently. Hold on. I recognize that some of you know me well. Some just a little, and some not at all. Let's consider ourselves, at the beginning, the first step towards our future. Will you marry me? I'm sorry. I'm sure you have lots of questions, and there's a lot for us to discuss at the All Hands Tomorrow. At the All Hands Tomorrow. We'll have lots of time for Q&A and discussion, and it will be the beginning of the ongoing, open, direct conversation I wish for all of us to have together, except for band motherfuckers. Fuck them. The world is watching us right now. Wow, your ego is bigger than my dick. That's impressive. Even more they have before. Lots of people are going to have lots of different views and opinions about today's news. It is because they care about Twitter and our future. And it's a signal that the work we do here matters. Let's show the world Twitter's full potential. Hashtag one team. Another fucking hashtag in an email. Correct. Why are you going to put... So many fucking hashtags in a fucking email. No, it's like, why? What, what fucking sense does it make? But let's finish up this Hill article. Dorsey's leadership of both companies led to concerns that his attention was divided. Activist investor Elliot, Elliot Management tried to force Dorsey out. Using that argument in 2020, but ultimately struck a deal with another investor that allowed the CEO to stay up. And he's resigning. And, and this article is from The Hill. And it is by Chris Mills Rodrigo. And that is the end of this article. But before we get into the next article, of course... You know we have to play an ad.
0: The world we are preparing, Winston, is a constant victory, a constant triumph. You are beginning to accept it, will soon welcome it, and finally become part of it. 1949, George Orwell had a vision of the future. Today, that vision is still a best-selling novel, and his prophecy remains as terrifying as ever. If you want a vision of the future, Winston, imagine a boot stamping on a human face forever. A future where freedom becomes slavery. Where privacy is forbidden. The past forgotten and where living people simply vanish. Yet one man and one woman dare to love. Can you get Sunday afternoon off? Yes. Take this. Everyone knows. The thing that is in Rome 101 is the worst thing in the world. He can't get inside you. We can't get to your heart. John Hurt, Susanna Hamilton, Cyril Cusack, and Richard Burton in the crowning role of his career. What are your true feelings towards Big Brother? I hate him. You must love him. It's not enough to obey. You must love him. The film of the book of the year. George Orwells, 1984. 1984.
1: Alright, so, moving on to our next article from Forbes. This article is by John Brandon. He is the social media contributor. Three really interesting statements from Jack Dorsey's resignation letter from Twitter. And this was published November 29th, 2021. All these articles have been. It's not every day that an icon of social media and the tech field in general makes such a bold move. Today is one of those days, with Jack Dorsey stepping down as Twitter CEO. In a public resignation letter, the high-profile figure made several statements that are eye-opening and surprising for anyone who follows this space, including me. After the initial shock of hearing the news, the most immediate reaction is to wonder why. Dorsey explains it without really explaining it. His reasons are solid, if a bit vague. He says he wants to prepare the way for the new CEO effective today, according to the letter, Parag to take over, and doesn't want to stand in his way. Dorsey says he will step down immediately but continue as a board chair although even that will come to an end around may in the letter he says the resignation is meant to bring in new chair brett taylor so that he can also run things effectively in between the lines there are some interesting statements that make me wonder what really motivated the famous tech icon to quit since dorsey is someone who really championed the social media space and paved the way for other companies to evolve, including Facebook and Instagram. The first comment has to do with failure. Dorsey owns this one, saying in no uncertain terms that a, founder, that a founder-led company is a single point of failure. He doesn't say he failed or even hint at any specific issues, although one report noted that the company hopes to double their revenue. That's a tall order and maybe one that Dorsey would like others to lead. Failure is a buzzword in startup culture. I think it's just a thing that happens. The concept of failing fast, Learning from failure and embracing your own limitations are common tropes. If there's a failure to pinpoint, it might be that Twitter was never, really never captured the attention of the masses. Is that true? I mean, it seems like everyone has a fucking Twitter, even if it's not like, you know, I, I, I don't know. Everybody has a fucking Twitter. Every time I read a news article, they always have, like, a Twitter or an ad handle, even for, like, you know, uh, a a fucking Wendy's on State Street. So, I, and with the, they have more active users on a daily basis, I believe, than Facebook does. At least not enough that everyone is active and engaged with their own account. What happened, what has happened, is that there are many high profile users who captured all the attention. The rest of us are spectators, unusually. The rest of us are spectators. He spelled that wrong. Oh, you are spectators, usually. He meant A-R-E. Again, this article is going to be linked in the description, so you can catch this typo yourself. It's pretty bad when me being dyslexic as fuck am having a hard time reading articles, not because of my dyslexia, but because the people writing the articles are apparently having a hard time too. (laughs) Another curious comment has to do with starting at the bottom. Dorsey admits that he was once a lowly engineer and maybe stepping down. He will set off a chain reaction of new people finding spots at the company and rising in the ranks. That's admirable. If a bit of an overreach. First, he says that one person can be a single point of failure. Then he implies one person can also pave the way for other talented individuals to move up in the organization. Maybe that's true, although Dorsey... Could probably make that happen without stepping down. It's his final thought that made me sit up and take notice, though. Though, in a postscript, he argues that he would like Twitter to be the most transparent company around. He tweeted out his resignation letter, which is not exactly common. Sometimes they leak on purpose, though. I. <clears throat> I have to take issue with this statement, though. I don't see the transparency when it comes to de- <clears> the <throat> to deciding which voices are heard and which ones are blocked. I am not seeing the transparency in admitting that bullying is a massive problem on Twitter. And the steps to eradicate it are not clear at times. They are often for show... A feeble attempt to provide a few options, Dorsey stepping down does cause some shifts in thinking. What will Twitter become? How will the app evolve and how will they explore new ways to generate revenue? Is there a way Twitter can become more than, it's, than it is under the new leadership? Dorsey won't be there to guide the company or, well, to guide that ship. Although, somehow I think he will always have a vested interest in the company, even if it is from a beach somewhere on his phone. And that's the end of this article, again by John Brandon. you find out Forbes, three really interesting statements from Jack Dorsey's resignation letter from Twitter. We have one more article to get into. Let's find out who is this Parag guy with the last name that I just cannot pronounce. We now move on to the last article for the 1 o'clock upload. We go to The Guardian. Who is Parag Agrawal, the new Twitter CEO replacing Jack Dorsey? The relatively unknown chief technology officer faces a political minefield in one of Silicon Valley's top jobs by Carrie Paul in San Francisco. Francisco! Wow. So, before we get into... Do I don't want to save this for only my closing thoughts? Yeah, fuck it. We'll see what I was going to say for my closing thoughts, see if this article changes anything. Jack Dorsey has stepped down as CEO of Twitter and passed the baton to the relatively unknown executive Parag Agrawal, Agrawal, who has been with the company for 10 years, most recently as Chief Technology Officer, has emerged from behind the scenes to take over one of Silicon Valley's highest profile and politically volatile jobs. But who is he, and what can we expect from Twitter under his leadership? a 37-year-old immigrant from India. Thank you, please tweet again. A comes from outside the ranks of celebrity CEOs, which includes the man he's replacing, as well as Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg and Tesla's Elon Musk. But his lack of name recognition, coupled with a solid technological background, appears to be what some of Twitter's biggest backers we're looking for in the company's next chapter. I will say, I think it is interesting to choose this guy. I really only know the little bit I've read about him before I hit record. Uh, I'm assuming he's just going to be another Twitter censorship, uh, like, big pro-censorship state puppet. But I do like the approach of choosing a low-profile, no... Real attention drawn to him before. Uh, I think there's an interesting move for that. Because they could have gone with anyone else with a major track record. But they didn't. They kind of went the safe route. They chose... Just a very... Standard looking Indian dude. With an immigrant story. A minority. It's a safe play from a corporate standpoint. Choose the smart minority... The one with the interesting background. And who's been around for a long time. Who knows the company pretty well. Just uh. Just get him in there. Go from there. Because who knows. Maybe he won't be such a bad choice. Maybe he won't be a big. Uh, Ban happy. T- social media tyrant. I, I doubt that there's any chance he won't be. But maybe he won't be. Who knows. Really I I think. It, if I was put in charge of something like Twitter... <laughs> the very first thing I would do... Is I would reinstate most people who are banned from the site. Uh, I would readdress the TOS system. And I would pretty much... The only thing I, I, that I would monitor for... Is... Child pornography. I, I would cut back on that. Uh... I would have to, you know, cut that out, ban that. But what else would I, would I, is there anything else I would have to ban? Uh, terrorist recruiting, uh, that's something that I would have to address. But I don't think I, I, would ban people for saying, I wouldn't ban people for saying racist shit. Uh, I would honestly let them, I would let people pretty much say whatever they want if they made some sort of threat. I guess I could have an algorithm that flags that. But I wouldn't, like, delete it or fuck with the post. I would just flag it so there's undergoing attention to it in case these, like, violent posts turn into something a little bit more real or seem like we could turn something a bit more real. There could be some sort of, uh, like, you could alert local authorities or something, like, like, some guy posts something about, about I don't know, a shooting. Just, just slightly, just flag that, follow it along, listen to what, See, see if it starts becoming more realistic and if it seems like they have intent to do it just, the, just let the authorities know in the area that there's somebody these kinds of uh, kind of actions are tweeting about but don't delete the post don't you know ban that person for saying crazy shit it's more like, like actions speak louder than words as far as I'm concerned so you can say you're gonna do something but not do it uh, honestly, I, I think that it'd be pretty easy to run something like Twitter because Twitter is not—it's not Facebook, right? It, it's not the big. It... Of all the social media people, Jack Dorsey is probably the one that'd be the most forgettable. Everyone knows Mark Zuckerberg. No one's forgetting Zuckerberg. Dorsey can just slip through the cracks, cracks, right? But Twitter, I feel is more used and more active than Facebook is. So Facebook has a more memorable, powerful CEO while Twitter is a more powerful powerful app with the weakest CEO. It's an interesting dichotomy. I definitely feel like Jack Dorsey is the most uh, dispendable of all of them. They could just Silicon Valley could throw him under the bus and keep going and it wouldn't really drag too much attention to it. But I also feel like Twitter would probably be one of the easiest companies you could theoretically run. Let it be a free speech haven. Only step in when actual laws are broken. And that's really all you'd have to do. I don't... I mean, you'd probably get shot in the media, because of course you'd allow right-wing voices back, but you also would have just as many people on the left as you did before. So I... I don't know. I don't think Twitter would be that hard. It seems like if you're going to have social media, let it be that. A social media for the social public to carry out whatever it may. Let ideas be debated. Let discourse happen. Let someone come out and say some really racist, vulgar shit. And then let people fucking ratio them. Allow the common. Right? Allow the masses and the common to decide the etiquette for themselves. One of the things that made Twitter so political to begin with is they started to ban voices from the right and from the left. But a lot more voices from the right were getting banned. And that started to make Twitter a lot more political. Twitter was already political before Trump ran for presidency. Trump was firing off political hot takes months prior. If there was, uh, before Trump was president or even a candidate you know, social, like, news article, like, news sites and, and, like, CNN shit would, would just read off celebrity tweets on a topic. They would always read Trump's. Twitter's always been political. It was the fact that they actively sought to get involved in politics and political users of the social media platform itself. That made Twitter get this very political, because Facebook doesn't really have a political... Like a so- politics associated with it. When you think Facebook, you think Boomer, maybe. You don't think immediate political affiliation. When you think Twitter, you're most likely going to think of a lot of different political attachments to it. I didn't say that for my afterthoughts, but whatever. Let's, uh... Oh, yeah, maybe. article pretty much just said what I, what I started ranting about earlier a is a quote safe pick who should be looked upon as favorably by investors wrote a cfra research analyst angelo zeno who noted that the twitter shareholder elliot management had pressured dorsey to step down ah there we go there you go like i said when I was reading the letter to begin with and I was like, this does not seem like this man is saying this of his own vo- like own free will or volition. It seems like there's a gun to his head. Well, I think we know who's holding the trigger or holding the firearm. It's Elliot Management. That means we can expect more of the same under him. In terms of policy and company direction, experts say, including plans to continue Twitter's recent strategy to double its annual revenue by 2023, and focus on its long-term ambition to rebuild how social media companies operate. That's such a hefty, tall fucking order, though. Hmm. Quote, We recently updated our strategy to hit ambiguous goals. Ambitious goals, sorry. And I believe that strategy to be a bold and right one overall said in an email to employees quote but our critical challenge is how we work to execute against it and deliver results end quote the company currently faces a host of challenges including slow growth and its user base as competitors like tiktok and instagram lure away younger demographics as well as continued continuing struggles with misinformation and hate speech. Yeah. Uh, I hate to say it. Right. If you basically allowed. Twitter. To turn into like a mainstream version. Of like. I don't know. Almost 4chan. You would probably have. A dominant social media. You would have a juggernaut. Because look. It would appeal to all people. It seems like just a a basic money-making decision here, folks. If you had, like, a mainstream... If Twitter suddenly overnight turned into, like, anything goes... You know, anything goes except for, like... You know, terrorist recruiting and child pornography distribution... Again, it just seems, like, common, right? You'd have people who would go... If you just regulated those two things, you just simply recruited the recruiting and the distribution side, the really fucked up shit that I think everyone can unanimously agree on to ban on, on social media. But you allowed people to spout off left or right propaganda, crazy conspiracy theories, shitty memes, politics, news, this perspective, that perspective freely. No matter how crazy or batshit it is and disregard the corporate uh you know sponsors who are like i don't want my i don't want my ads ran on something like that if you just ignore them and allow the social media to grow for a minute these sponsors would come back by the droves because of how big that that platform would get people would come to talk to people who are like-minded and who share like a niche interest kind of like how reddit works No, you have like a billion Reddit groups or pages, whatever the fuck they're called. So, like, or subreddits. You have a billion subreddits all for unique little intricate things with like a couple hundred followers or fans of it. You have that. You have that crowd, right? And then you have the crowd that will go there to be angry. To pick a fight online. People who will go and find somebody with the opposite opinion... And provoke a response. And those two will go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You also have, like, like you'll have that. You'll have the two, two sides of that. The people who go there for a good time. And the people who go there purposely to start conflict. And let that happen. I've never understood the drive to censor and ban and silence voices. Even if they're saying shit that I... I deeply disagree with i would never ban a socialist or a communist spouting propaganda on, on my on my site and that also i would allow them to say whatever they want on my site but i mean that's not going to stop me from going out and voicing my real opinions and as ceo people just assume that that's also the viewpoint of the company but for me as a ceo of something like twitter my personal it would be like me in politics my personal policy would take a backseat to the actual job Or to the business. Right? I could be like... I could be like a raging communist. Right? I I could be a a raging white supremacist. But if I had the same level of respect for free speech that I do right now... I still would allow people to go on there and spout black supremacy nonsense. You know what I mean? Like, I I can put myself aside. And let a, a thing run. Like, I can let's say i I'm, I'm I hold the opinions I have right but I got elected into a position of power in a democratic blue area I would operate with the, with like the wants of my voting base in mind and put my actual wants on the back burner. now if I want to run for like governor or i want to run for a bigger position where what I want to do would have more power then sure my personal wants can come from like the back burner but the most part when you know know, i'm kind of just ranting but i think my point stands if you allowed the 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 social if you allowed social media to be a social experiment in people governing people like self-governance and the ability of of the masses to police some of like like the people to police themselves let social media be a social experiment in just absolute free anarchy like if i own a social media app there would be no such thing as like a block button or i mean like like a report button like at all you can ban people you don't want to see their content? Like, I mean, like, you can block people. Is what I mean. Like, you can block people. You don't want to see their content? Block them. That's fine. But as, like... From the other end of the computer system, you have... The... the you have a... You don't have a ban but You have a delete button. Right? And when an account comes through, and it's... You know sending out so that's harmful to children then fine, delete that ban that account, remove that account from existence though there is no ban button, it's either you're on or you're not and the only thing that would get you kicked off would be some sort of horrific moral violation that the masses agree is a horrible moral violation a moral crime not hate speech. Not 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 what you said, but your actions. I, I just... I don't know. I, I have no idea what it's like to run a big company like that. I just think... Allowing social media to be an actual social experiment or social litmus test would be... A lot more beneficial and a lot less controversial in the long run... Than running Twitter the way Twitter has been being ran, where it's just... Oh, you said Republican idea there, censor. Oh, you posted something a little too far to the left, censor. Let these people voice their opinions. Like, I don't want. Just for example, you're right. You're you're in a room There's like four people. One person's on the left. One person's on the right. And the one person's just a raving, ranting, psychopathic lunatic who gets banned, or not gets banned. Sorry. You know, you got the left, right, raving lunatic. But all three people have their mouths covered, so they can all pretty much only do the same thing. Right? I want to know which one of these people is a fucking lunatic, so I know who to stay the fuck away from. And the only way I can find out who's a lunatic is to remove the filter, or in this metaphor, the tape, and allow them to start ranting and raving. I'd be like, whoa, you're a lunatic. And I can move on. This has all really been a clumsy rant with no uh, no organization to it. So I'm just going to wrap up this article. Agrawal is expected largely to pick up where Dorsky left off, continuing the fight for users being lured away by competitors like TikTok and Instagram, said Jill Wilson, the chief marketing officer for Esquire Digital. Quote, Agrawal has his work cut out for him in terms of keeping Twitter relevant and getting everyday users on board and monetizing the platform in general, she said. I hope Twitter goes under. Dorsey, who co-found Twitter in 2006, steered the company through a high-profile hack in the controversial banning of Donald Trump, who tested the boundaries of the platform's enforcement against hate speech and misinformation. Can't let people misinformation. There's a lot of talk about medical disinformation. Quite frankly, I think you should allow medical disinformation online. People want to post crazy bullshit and other people just take their advice off some random user online. That's just Darwin at work. I, it really is. Let that happen. If someone says, "Oh yeah, drinking fucking rat poison cures autism." I'm going to chug I'm going to chug some rat poison because some guy on Twitter said Drinking rat poison prevents autism, and you die because you drink rat poison. You were never meant to survive. Quite frankly, all those people who were eating Tide Pods going to the hospital—they were—they weren't meant to live. they they, they really weren't. It let Darwin happen. Let Darwinism happen. Let's dish out Darwin awards. Quite frankly, I am pro medical disinformation. Because people need to be doing their own fucking research, and we and that's like a great way to like push back against people just going online, see what one crazy fuck has to say, and going with their with that one crazy fuck without ever doing their research. If people actually have some consequences for follow, for not doing research before they talked, or doing research before they just blindly followed what somebody was telling them to do, then people will never take the initiative to do their own research. Let Darwin, let Darwin happen. Those platforms have continued beyond or uh, continued beyond the Trump presidency. And Agrawl is stepping into a role in the eye of the storm over moderation policies on hate speech and misinformation for which Dorsey has faced criticism in recent years. Quote, the new CEO will need to work out how to stop his platform being a machine that is routinely and perpetually hijacked and distorted to distort the news agenda, produce fake popularity and influence, and provide warped lens on the world, said Imran Hamad, the CEO of the Center for Countering Digital Hate. Oh, fuck off at that name. Dorsey, had simultaneously been serving as CEO of special of of social media of the social media platform and as CEO of his payment processing company Square but will now focus primarily on Square as well as other pursuits such as philanthropy Reuters and Reuters reports I think we're going to see him enter the bitcoin world a lot uh again I don't know uh, I don't know how much power Jack Dorsey actually had. I've said it multiple times already. I think Jack Dorsey was really more of just a, a public face, and he had the board and shareholders behind him, really telling him what to do and how and how to operate the business. I don't think Jack Dorsey was calling the shots for most of his uh, most of his CEO ship of uh, of Twitter. In an email to employees on Monday. Dorsey said he chose to step down due to the strength of Agrawal's leadership, the naming of the Salesforce Chief Operating Officer Brett Taylor as the new chairman of the board and his confidence in the ambition and potential of Twitter's employees. Quote, I'm really sad yet really happy, he wrote. Quote, there, there are not many companies that get to this level, adding his move to step down quote was my decision and I own it. Over the past year, Twitter has fought to end years long criticism that it has been slow to introduce new features for its 211 million daily users and was losing ground the social media rivals under Dorsey's leadership Twitter acquired the email newsletter service uh, review and launched spaces a feature that lets users host or listen to live audio conversations however shares in the companies have slumped in recent months adding pressure on Dorsey to end his unusual arrangement of being CEO of two companies Agrawal has already had a fast introduction to life as CEO of a central platform for political speech. Following the announcement on Monday, conservatives quickly unearthed a tweet he sent in 2010 that read, quote, if they aren't, if they are not going to make a decision between Muslims and extremists. Sorry, I'm not, I'm not. i Quote, if they are not going to make a distinction between Muslims and extremists, then why should I distinguish between white people and racists? Like I said, this guy's gonna be real happy with the ban hammer. I may or may not have already had free knowledge of this particular tweet before I read this article. But, uh, yeah, this guy has posted some really racist shit. That when I hinted at the beginning of the article, when I was like, yeah, this guy's pretty much just gonna be a ban hammer happy guy who's just gonna make things even more censored, this is, this is what I meant. Uh, and by the way, when it comes to like, you know, acts of religious terrorism, Muslims are predominantly the terrorists. I'm sorry, but that's that's a stereotype, that's a stereotype with a lot of truth behind it. I don't have, like, the analytics in front of me or anything right now. But, uh, yeah, most... Most of the people who commit acts of religious terrorism or extremists are Muslims. Uh, let's see. ISIS. Muslim extremists. The Taliban. Muslim extremists. Al-Qaeda. Muslim extremists. The Muslim Brotherhood. Muslim extremists. The list of Muslim terrorist groups. Goes on, and on, and on. You fucking clown. That's, uh... Sorry, I, I I hate to tell you. And yet, not all Muslims. In fact, I've routinely voiced my, my support and sympathy for the Uyghur Muslims trapped in Chinese concentration camps. Not all Muslims are terrorists, of course. But, uh... When you look at, like the amount of terrorist, Muslim, like, Muslim extremist groups out there. Uh, yeah. Clearly, the religion with the most batshit crazy psychos per capita, aside from Scientology, of course, is Muslim! So be mad. go seed, bitch. And why should I distinguish between white people and racists? You know... Uh... I might end up having to give you that one actually though. Just because like the most racist well actually no. The most racist people I know are like white liberals and like middle-aged older black folk. Like the most homophobic fucking people I know are black people. Like those are some of the most gay bashing Uh, anti-trans anti-progressive people you'll ever meet are are like black people 30 and up Uh, and the most racist people you'll meet are like typically white young female liberals and a lot of times they're racist accidentally they don't realize they're being racist it's like uh, they take the approach of like well we're helping the people of color Because they need our help because they can't help themselves. It's like that kind of like uh if it's a good example. Oh, oh here. Accidental racism, right? You got people who are like, Well, black people voter IDs racist because black people don't have state IDs. Why don't they state IDs? Well there's not they don't really have ways to get to like places to get IDs like Secretary of State's offices. Why don't they have the ability to get there? Because a lot of black people can't afford to have cars. You know, It's you go along with that line of logic and, and asking them the question of, like, just watch any debate, right? Just look up any debate. You know, I might throw one. I'll throw one in the description of, of, of this podcast so you can watch it. Uh, it's a debate about voter ID where just all these young li- white liberal people just accidentally expose how racist they really are and how lowly they think of, like, black and brown people. So yeah, uh, older black people and white liberals, specifically white female liberals, tend to be the most racist and homophobic people I've ever fucking met. So, uh, I guess a more fair tweet is, if they're not going to make the distinction between Muslims and extremists, then why should I distinguish between young white female liberals and racists? (laughs) Uh, moving on. As some Twitter users pointed out, the 11-year-old tweet was quoting a segment on The Daily Show, which was resurfacing the firing of Juan Williams, who made a comment about being nervous of Muslims on airplanes. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be the first say, I'll be the very first person to say it. Yeah, I have gotten on a plane and had a Muslim family like sit around me and yeah part of me was like I hope this goes smoothly <laughs> I hope this is a safe flight uh, again I don't know maybe I I just think I think demonizing being having prejudices and having racisms are not the same thing they're not prejudices are, are more like you don't hate a group of people because of their ethnic differences, or their appearance, or anything like that. That's You're racist if you look at somebody and you're like, oh, I assume they're the worst because they're Asian, because they're black, because they're white. Not on character... Not on personality. Not a conviction. Simply on the grounds of race and appearance. That's racism. Prejudice is if you're, you know, on a plane, for example. And also a bunch of Muslim people got on the plane. You You might be a little bit on edge. A bunch of people probably wouldn't be, to be completely honest. I guarantee you most people would look up, see them whatever. And on a side note here, uh, you're more likely, just just a heads up, depending on where you are in this country, you're more likely to run into a Sikh than you are to run into a Muslim. Uh, And Sikhs are really cool. Sikhs are fucking awesome. Sikhs are... Like, super America first Kind of individuals When they move here Or when they, like, culturally when they come here There is such a, like, vested Investment in Loving this country and patriotism While also having, like, their When when it comes to, like, Middle Eastern beliefs They are very much, like You could consider them, like, Protestant equivalents I guess of, like, Middle Eastern religions you easily could, um, they don't have, like, the traditional, I, am not an expert or anything, um, but, uh, uh, I can't remember what they're called, but they're kind of, like, uh, they're sort of, like, like, they're, they're a series of saints, and, uh, and, like, irreverent individuals that they, like, Think they don't really pray to them, they, they they think to them, they do have a god that they pray to, it's, I'm not an expert in it, but it's a very fascinating uh, belief system and when you go to one of their places of worship it's like a Gromond, I, I can't think, it's like Gromond I'm not sure how to pronounce it uh, it's like full of just American flags everywhere they have like constitutions in their like like, typically, when you go in there, they'll have, a, like, bookcases with all their holy scriptures, and then you'll have a bunch of, like, constitutions, the Federalist Papers, and all these other, like, American, find, like, founding documents in there, too, uh, they're big on, like, they're big on gun legalization, and, and they're big on gun rights, and gun responsibility, I have nothing but respect for for the Sikh culture. I, I think it's a very, I think they're very cool people. Also, if you if you want to... I, I I've done this before. I I like it. So, like I said, most of the time when you see somebody, you think they're Muslim. They're most likely Sikh. And if you ask them, like, "Hey, uh, Muslim, if you don't mind me asking, uh, are you Sikh or Muslim?" and immediately you're you're going to get met. Either way that answer goes, you're going to be looked at a little bit differently. Because a lot of Sikhs get confused from Muslims all the time, and they fucking hate it. They fucking hate it. They don't hate Muslims. They just hate that people think they're Muslim all the time. It's like you walk them to a Lutheran and call them Catholic. Eventually, you're going to get punched. Very lovingly so, though. They also, uh... Seeks at, at, at their place of worship. And they have, like, this really delicious, uh, um, it's like a, what's it called? Potluck. They have, like, a potluck either once a week or once a month. And, oh, man. It's good shit. Oh, it's good. Um. Uh, Actually, uh, dude who co-hosts Flagrant with Andrew Schultz, uh, Flagrant 2, I believe he's Sikh, actually. Uh, that's random, this whole little rant here's been random. But, yeah, there's a big difference between racisms and prejudices, right? Racism, as I've said before, it's when you look at somebody and you judge them solely off of skin color and not character. That's racism. Prejudices. Here's a good example of prejudice. You're walking down the streets of Detroit in a really sketchy, burned-out neighborhood. It's like 2 in the morning. There's no cars in sight. No one else is around. And then all of a sudden, for like 2 blocks, just 2 or 3 black dudes start walking behind you. Most people are going to be a little uneasy. Even black people are going to be a little uneasy if they're just walking down the street and then all out of nowhere, three black people start following them. There's going to be like, oh, shit. Now you turn a corner and then they keep walking and they're following you to begin with. And you're like, oh, man, I feel bad that, that I, I thought something was going to happen just because they, they were following me. But it's like a series of concerns built upon either societal truth or just stereotypes right and a lot of society operates on these stereotypes by the way look at uh colleges started like restricting how to like a number a set number of year how many chinese or asian people they accept into their campuses because of uh, the perception that chinese people are so much smarter There are articles. I've read different articles on this show. You can look them up yourself. Maybe I'll throw one into the description of this podcast. Racism is to be shamed. You should shame racism. But prejudices are something that should be talked about and addressed because prejudices tend to be based on stereotypes. And every stereotype has some seed of truth in it. Black people stereotype about them is they're criminals they make up less than 50% of the American population, yet they make up 60% sixty to 70% of, of prison inmates and violent criminals. We should use, pre- like, prejudices based on stereotypes to address the core concerns that led to these stereotypes developing. Right? So, you know, you see a Mexican stereotype is they're an illegal immigrant. Why? Because the predominant illegal immigrants in this country are Mexican. We need to, if we address the heart of that problem, make illegal entrance in this country as difficult as possible, that stereotype, that societal stereotype will fade away and so will that prejudice. Like I said, most prejudices, at least from my outlook, are not based upon so much race, but the The stereotype of that race. You're not judging people based on their skin color necessarily or on their character, but on the stereotype associated with their skin color or their religion. That's the main difference. Being prejudiced does not rely on race. At all. And in a mature society, Right, a society that is stable, where there is a function to it, right? There, there is not a chaotic uh, culture war seeping into every aspect, nook, and cranny of the culture. Prejudices can lend themselves to be the cores of some of the greatest comedy imaginable. You look at every joke. In Blazing Saddles, for example. Every joke in that movie is predicated upon a stereotype for the most part. And they go after everybody. And that movie is one of the greatest comedy films ever made. Why? Because it was made at the perfect time for society to embrace it and love it. Black people saw it. White people saw it. Asian people saw it. German people saw it. (laughs) Jews saw it. Christians. Atheists. Mexicans. Everybody saw it. And they all loved it and laughed at it. Because society was at a point where it was confident in itself. The Civil Rights Movement had just ended... And we were moving into what seemed like a promising bright future and blazing saddles came into the movie theaters and america came together and laughed and crowned this movie as a jewel of cinema it was even put into the national archives very few comedies are ever ever put into the national archives But this was one of the first ones to do it. And now, because of people being so worried about being called racist or laughing at anything that could be perceived as as racism, a movie like Blazing Saddles could never happen. And I think that is a massive sign of social regression there was a point where we could all go out to a movie theater and openly laugh at a movie making fun of all these different groups of people based on identity and no one got mad everyone was just there to laugh and have a good time and enjoy life for an hour and 45 minutes roughly regardless of your race heritage, creed, and background. You could go to a movie theater at a point in time and laugh at a movie making fun of you and everybody around you. And you could sit there and laugh with everybody. At yourselves, at society, at the little notions we put on a pedestal. And I think that may have been the highlight. Maybe the height of American society. Where everyone was so equal that no one felt alienated enough or excluded enough to not laugh at themselves. And we regress to where everyone's hurt, everyone's offended, and topics are taboo. People get canceled and censored for things they say online recently, or sometimes 10, 15 years ago. Something about separating Muslims and extremists from whites and racists. Some tweet from some nobody from 10 years ago that just got them in trouble before they got their new big job. And It's always the entitled few that ruin it for the rest of us. And I think places like Twitter help perpetuate that cycle of cancellation and harassment with one another. Where people are just getting banned and removed for for wrong speak and wrong think and enabling the thought police. I wish we could all just come together, watch Blazing Saddles, and have a good time. (laughs) But I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe some point down the line will make politics boring movies will be good again music will be fun and creative once more and we'll see a second high of Americana but for now this episode's coming to an end I'm your James Madison this has been Inside Four Walls and I'll catch y'all later